time now for Gator Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. The Sports Spectacular is underway. Larry Smith with Brad Sturdy and Mike Kegley to join us in a moment, along with Jacob Rudner of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. He's here to give us some insight on the Gators' season. Tough loss of the night to Tennessee, and he'll have an update on football as well. So a very big hour just ahead. But we start with some somber news as former Gator defensive lineman Ronald Powell has died at the age of 32. Powell had 11 quarterback sacks as a Gator before going on to play in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. Our thoughts and prayers certainly go out to his family. Uh, Interesting story from our friend Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun questioning if Florida spends enough on men's basketball. The survey shows that of the 13 public schools in the SEC, Florida ranks only 12th in men's basketball operating expenses and just ninth in recruiting expenses. Certainly an interesting read in the Gainesville Sun this week. Let's talk more about it with one of the experts uh, back on the show. We're always happy to have him, Jacob Rudner. Uh, he's the Gators beat writer for 24-7 and also CBS Sports. Jacob, uh, first, Happy New Year. How's 2024 going for you so far? Happy New Year to you guys as well. It's been a it's been a good start to the year. It's still short, but uh, but a good start, and I'm happy to be back on the show with you guys. Yeah, we appreciate that. And by the way, you're, we're, we know you're warmer where you are than we are. You know, I mean that's the that's the positive too about being in Central Florida. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, we uh, we are under a freeze warning. It's still below forty here uh, in Gainesville, <laughs> despite being noon. I know I'm not talking in the same language that most of the country is, but for us, that's cold. That is, that's true. It's true. Years ago, I worked in West Palm Beach. My my then fiance, now my wife, we went out to the county fair there in Palm Beach, January, um, you know, mid fifties, and we were like wearing like jeans and denim jackets and like shivering. You know, I was like, really? Yes. Come on. <laughs> yes, we are. We're in we're in beanies and gloves, and it's thirty six <laughs> degrees outside. Exactly. We would trade it anyway. Well, stay warm. We know it's temporary. Um, hey, let's start with. Um, a little football right now. Obviously, the season uh, since last time we've talked didn't go the end the way that we hoped it would, but we knew at the same time this was you know going to be a, a tough closing stretch. Um, so much has happened right now. What's the feeling with with Gators football as as we get into twenty twenty four? Yeah, I, I think that this is a fan base that's very much in wait and see mode, and I know that that's something that you and I have talked about before, even dating back into the previous year in twenty twenty three. We had discussed that this was a fan base that really needed to see what was going to happen with the construction of this coaching staff, with the construction of this football roster, who was Billy Napier going to hire, uh, how were they going to fare in the transfer portal and in the high school recruiting ranks. And we have some answers to some of those questions. We've seen Florida make some hires. Uh, I think some of them maybe were a little on the more obscure side. Will Harris, new defensive backs coach, uh, the former assistant secondary coach, for the San Diego, oh, excuse me, for the Los Angeles Chargers is a Los <laughs> Angeles person. I think I'm, I'm still stuck on San Diego. Uh, and he he was brought in. A good hire has proven himself as a really good recruiter so far. Uh, Florida brings in Gerald Chapman from Tulane to be its new defensive line coach. I'm not sure that that was somebody who was really firmly on the radar when the opening came out. Uh, but, but still a, a good hire nonetheless, somebody with a good track record. Ron Roberts is obviously the splash of the offseason for the Gators comes in with this executive assistant to the head coach title. Uh, he's an assistant defensive coordinator for the Gators. These are things that people wanted to see. Now, 
Are there things that this fan base still needs to learn and needs to find out about what this offseason is going to bring for Florida? I do think so. There has been no movement on a special teams coordinator. That's something I know you and I have talked about several times before. Florida really needed help in that department. No change with offensive coordinator. At this point, I'm not even sure that there will be one, but that's something that people wanted to know. And I do still think that there maybe are a couple pieces via the transfer portal that we could see move and one or two more pieces on the high school side that we could see pop for the Gators as well. Uh, And those are the things I think people want to really get their answers to before they pass judgment on what this offseason has brought for the Gators. That being said, uh, some interesting moves, some interesting progress so far. And I think that to your point, you know, I, I look like him or you don't like him, whatever the fans thinking, um, I give uh, Billy Napier credit for saying, listen, we've done this now for two years. These things didn't work. We're going to make these changes to kind of to, to bring about some change, because uh, in 2024, we talked about the 2023 schedule and you would think, OK, it can't get worse. It did. I mean, 2024 is a season long gauntlet with the addition of the two other teams and elimination of, of, of divisions. You don't have with all due respect to Vanderbilt, you know, lurking in the, you know, that, that you can say, well, that's the team we probably can beat. Um, you know, that it, it gets even tougher now. And you know, I, I, so I can understand the angst, I think from some fans to say, well, you know, the kind of the wait and see, because this is a big year for Florida. There's no doubt about that. And I think that it's one of the sentiments that existed somewhat widely going into this offseason was that it was one that would bring answers one way or another. And I think that's important. You know, could this offseason have been Florida sitting on its hands, keeping most of its staff around, uh, maybe utilizing the portal on a lighter degree to which fans thought it needed to? That was absolutely within the realm of possibility. And what would the reaction have been? And, you know, you, you know the Florida fan base as well as I do. And that would not have flown here. That wouldn't have been something that would have been agreed upon and liked uh, as much as I think wider changes would have been. And we've been closer to the wider changes that I think were expected than the inverse of that, which would have been, you know, really sitting tight and and betting on what already existed here. And I think that that was the correct move. Uh, And to judge anything before that occurred was probably premature. And so uh, I think that the fan base has taken the proper approach to this offseason. I really do. Uh, I think that this team has taken the right approach to this offseason. Whether or not that will translate into more wins is now the bigger question. Uh, And and I think that we'll learn more about that in the spring, just in terms of what kind of momentum this generated. But I have appreciated on both ends uh, the approach to this offseason, be it the fans or the program, because I really do think that there was a lot to learn. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. Let's turn to basketball right now. Earlier this week, uh, tough loss at Tennessee. Look, the Vols, you know, top 10 team, and they deserve so. Rick Barnes did a great job up there, um, 85-66 there. But some games coming up here until Kentucky, um, the trip to Kentucky end of the month with Missouri, um, Mississippi State, and then up uh, taking on uh, Georgia um, over the over at O'Connell Center. Um, you know, this is a team right now. What do we know about this Florida team right now? One and three, again, tough loss at Tennessee. But I think it's still a team that can make some noise in the SEC. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think that uh, like with Florida's football program, and, and not necessarily in the same sense, but like with Florida's football program, there are more questions than we have answers at this point with Florida basketball. Florida basketball did an excellent job, head coach Todd Golden, in my opinion, bringing in an, a truly top-notch transfer portal recruiting class this past offseason. Some stars, as evaluated by 
industry evaluators, by NBA scouts, really highly regarded. I'm talking about Micah Hanlogton, the reigning Sunbelt freshman of the year out of Marshall. Uh, Walter Clayton, who starred for Rick Pitino at Iona, is now uh, back in his home state of Florida. Zion Pullen, who was an all-conference player out west at UC Riverside under Mike Magpeo, who's a great coach out there. All of these guys are now Gators. That is a significant improvement from the roster that Florida brought in last year, a lot of which Todd Golden basically had to retain because he was stuck with some players from that Mike White era. That was a positive. Florida took a huge step, in my opinion, in overall talent. Now, how much has that translated into the wins and losses? I would tell you in the non-conference play, did a pretty good job. Florida went 10-3 and overall, looked really good. Uh, I thought that there were some encouraging performances. Were there times where some opportunities were left on the board? Absolutely. I thought Florida could have beaten Baylor. I thought Florida, even without Zion Pullen, who was suspended by the NCAA, could have beaten Virginia, but didn't come through. Uh, And the same can be said so far in conference play. There was an opportunity to beat Kentucky at home. Florida falls just short. They led for, I think it was 32 total minutes of that game. They end up losing. That's tough. Uh, Florida gets blown out on the road at Ole Miss. That is a really tough loss. That's one of those games that I think Florida looked at as let's go on the road and prove that we can contend with the top teams in this conference. Falls far short. Uh, Come home. Blast Arkansas. Florida was up by 20, basically, at the half uh, against Eric Musselman's team. And let's not scoff at what Musselman has done in Fayetteville. Very impressive. That's a good win. And then they go back out on the road and just look completely out of sorts again against a very good Tennessee team. And so I think that there is a lot to prove for this Florida basketball team still. I think that they need to show people that they can play consistently, that they can face good competition, particularly on the road, and actually play at a competitive level. We have not seen that quite yet. Uh, Florida is 0-3 in true road games so far this season. Uh, And and just to be clear, that does not include its neutral site results. Uh, And so I think that we need to learn really what that's going to look like moving forward in order for us to really confidently say that Todd Golden has a tournament team in year two. That's I think that's fair. And that's one of those things, you know, we've talked about it. We've talked about it with, with, with other people amongst ourselves that. You're exactly right. That's kind of that dilemma that when you're scheduling, um, you want to get those games that are, um, you know, the guaranteed victory, right? The money games, uh, you want to schedule the, the, the you know, the uh, neutral court because those are the, the premier games. But you kind of need to get that one road game out of the way, I think, at some point early on. I, I, I don't like when teams play their first road game in conference play. Um, when you've got a team that either a you're relying on freshmen or a lot of newcomers, um, guys that may be veterans, but they're coming together for the first time. Uh, and you're exactly right. So, like we said, we get the three games coming up here: Missouri, Mississippi State, Georgia. That Missouri game is on the road. Three tough games with Kentucky, A and M, and Auburn. Um, I think after that, there are a lot of winnable games that Florida can still, to your point, can prove um, that they're one of the top teams in the conference. I, I would tend to agree. And one thing, Larry, that I would add, you know. Todd Golden to me is somebody who does a lot right in terms of putting together a roster. I think that Florida needed size this offseason. He went out and he got it. Florida needed guys who were going to be able to come in and, you know, be good shooters. They got him. Whether or not that materializes and congeals into something that is cohesive and effective, that is a different story. And for the youngest coach in the SEC, which Golden is, I think that that's something that is a a learning curve to a degree. How much can I let these talented guys who I have play play freely without my, you know, rigorous instruction? Can I have more of a free-flowing offense? 
in the WCC when he was at San Francisco, he was able to, and it worked really well for him. Is that something that's going to work in the SEC? I think the answer is maybe. I think with the right athletes, it certainly can. And we see flashes of that working. Florida is still one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. That doesn't happen by accident, especially not in this conference. And so, you know, my big thing going forward is really trying to find out whether or not Golden can get the talent and the roster building and the composition to turn into results. And it happens sometimes. It hasn't happened consistently enough yet. And I think he would tell you the exact same thing. I think that's fair. His name is Jacob Rudder. Be sure to give him a follow on X. It's very easy. Jacob Rudder is his name. Uh, Gators beat Ryder 24-7 and uh, CBS Sports. Jacob, my friend, good to talk with you. We'll look forward to catching up again soon here uh, later on in the season. Yes, sir. It's always great. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Jacob Rudner, once again, 24-7 in CBS Sports uh, right here on the Sports Spectacular. Stay with us. We've got more to come after this. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare. What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it. Flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-456-5371. 800-456-5371. 800-456-5371. That's 800-456-5371. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. As we talked earlier, uh, we had a great conversation on our uh, Longhorn Sports Spectacular show with uh, Anwar Richardson, who is uh, with orangebloods.com. And he had a great exchange as we were talking to him. And and, and he and Mike had a, a great talk about um, the current situation right now, just in college football overall. But he starts off with talking about um, Nick Saban retiring from Alabama and the former Crimson Tide assistant, Steve Sarkeesian, and why he never thought that Sark was really giving any kind of serious consideration to leaving Texas to go to Alabama. Let's listen in and we'll talk about it on the other side. I don't necessarily think that that place is an upgrade when you really think about it. Without Nick Saban, it's another program in the SEC 
but it's not necessarily what it was. And I think he's got a good thing going. He's got a good thing rolling. So, hey, you're going to get the extension here. You know, you're this is this the Texas fan base hasn't seen this kind of success really since the Mac Brown era. And so everything you do and everything you touch is gold. Why leave? Just go ahead and get some more money. You've got the boosters. You remember, we always hear Nick Saban complaining about how he needs his more for NIL. You don't hear, you don't see Steve, Steve Sarkeesian talking about that. You don't see him out there with the with the little change thing saying, you know, can can I can anybody denote my NIL? Like nothing to that effect. So I think it ended up being a really good thing for him. It's a really good fit. And the last thing on that one is that, you know, the people who hired him, you know, they they already are invested in his success. You know, the AD, the, the department, everything. They're already invested in success. So it made it made sense. I When I heard the speculation of it, I thought to myself, eh, I, don't, I, I think he's the easy name, but I don't necessarily think. That that's the, that's going to happen, and I heard pretty quickly that that was not going to be that was not really on Steve Sarkeesian's radar. So he ends up getting being able to kind of continue where he's left off from last year, and it ends up being a really good move for him. You know, in a lot of college sports, you're seeing the older coaches kind of retire, and I think maybe some of that has to do with the control that they don't have. A player can just yeah. up and leave. Uh, yes. How is Sark? How does he deal with that? Because it seems like he's had really good, you know, really good fortune with his roster at Texas, and that seemed that would have to be something that he's doing intentionally to help with that. Mike, you have asked a tremendous question. I'm super. I am super happy that you asked this question. So, and this is why that's such a good question, right? Is because. You're correct. These coaches are used to control. You got to remember, and you guys are, we're old enough to remember. Remember when guys used to want to transfer and a coach would say, you can't go to an SEC program, can't go to an ACC program. You can't go on this West Coast. And like, and these kids were banished. You know, you remember a few, it wasn't only a few years ago when Baker Mayfield was a walk-on quarterback and they were trying to limit where he can go. Like, that's how much control that these guys had. They had so much power over these young men, walk-ons, everything. And that kids would want to go home because their parents were sick and they couldn't do it. And so eventually, what the NCAA has basically done is said is this. We're going to give the players the ability to do whatever they want as long as you don't want a paycheck from us. As long as we get to keep our billions, you can have what you want. Transfer portal, NIL, whatever you want, you can do it as long as you don't ask us for our money. And so what's happened now is that these coaches are now dealing with today's generation of players that can say to themselves, I'm going to go in the portal whenever I want to. You got to pay me through NIL whenever, whatever, whatever the price is. You got to get into a bidding war. You got to find ways to retain me, and they have to bow down to that. I knew that Nick Saban was 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 feeling uncomfortable a couple of years ago when he started complaining about Texas A and M, you know, with their NIL and this and that. It was because for many years in the SEC, if we're just keeping it a buck. Now, I'm not going to mention specific schools, but you guys have heard plenty of rumors about those brown paper bags that showed up on kids' doors. Well, guess what? Ain't no brown paper bag. It's a collective. And the collective is now saying, here's your money. And now you have to get into a bidding war and competing war. And listen, the state of Alabama is not going to produce 
millionaires at the rate as the state of Texas is going to do that. So you can see the writing on the wall that says, all right, this is going to be a tough thing. You saw over the last couple of years, other teams catching up like Georgia being able to catch up and then surpass a team like Alabama. Obviously, you know, we obviously, we, you know, they had the success in the, in the SEC championship game, but I'm just talking about sustainability. So, yeah, now that they know it's out of their hands, I can't control these guys like I used to. Yeah, the, the thrill is gone. When you lose power, no one likes to lose it, right? And these got these these coaches have lost power. And I think as a result of losing interest. Now, one one quick follow-up. The coaches are talking about, you know, you hear all the time coaches in ADs saying, hey, we need to go to Congress and get some rules around transfers. Do you find it ironic that Caleb DeBoer goes from Washington after Washington started their semester to Alabama, and then you get Jed Fish going from Arizona to Washington. Seems like nobody wants to stop the coaches from getting up and moving, but boy, the players is a lot more problematic. It is, and it's always been that way, hasn't it? It's always has been about the players and never the coaches. It's never about, you know, and and even, you know, they complain about certain things, but you know, they, they fire coaches in the season, you know? I mean, Jimbo Fisher got hot, fired during the season, you know, but then they complain about, well, why, why don't these kids want to play in bowl games? Or, you know, complain about, like, you know, FSU kids leaving, so on and so forth. Well, you know, as the head goes, so goes the body. If you don't see loyalty from up top, like, then why would you expect loyalty from beneath, from, from below? And so, yes, you can have these coaches go in. And there is, nobody's talked to your point, Mike. No one is saying, like, hey, let's go to Congress. And stop this. Let's create a period where coaches can go quit programs, right? Let's let's create a window where if you want as a coach, you want to leave, you have until from you know December 1st until December 15th. That's your window to leave, right? It's, we have a transfer portal window. Yeah. What about a coach's window to make it even? And then how about the coaches go first? You make your decision, and then the players get to go a little bit later, right? Why don't we do that? And then people can say, well, you still may have an opportunity to leave, so on and so forth. But if you're a player and you, let's say you've already committed to Washington, I mean, sure, you might be at you have the opportunity to leave. Where are you going to go right now? Like you see your point, classes have started already. So what am I going to do? How do I get out of this? I am stuck in this thing. But to your point, it's always about, man, the players can't do this, players can't do that. And again, it's because those coaches are so used to control. And I think we as a society are so used to these coaches having control that we don't necessarily question it. But it should be questioned uh, because accountability should work for everybody, not just one specific segment of college sports. Yeah, I think he makes a good point about, you know, the NIL dollars that are present at Texas. I think there are very few jobs that you would leave Texas for, um, but Alabama might be one of them. <laughs> so for a certain right guy, just for Sark, I mean, he, I think it also because he's got a role in there, right? And he's coming back next year. They're, they're one of the favorites to win a national title. And he's, he would have to rebuild Alabama a little bit. I, I think Alabama takes a step back, a little bit of a step back next year, just because they're going to lose so many guys in the portal. And, and they're still going to be really good, but maybe not at the, you know, top five good. Yeah. One of the benefits of being in this role is we get a chance to talk to a lot of college football experts and Texas, Texas A&M seem to be at the top of the heap of ability to raise NIL funds, largely due to having a lot of oil boosters and 
I can certainly understand why someone wouldn't go from Austin to Tuscaloosa because they don't want to cut their budget. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really fair too. of, um, you know, in terms of something's got to be done in terms of these, the coach movement and player movements, um, you know, like he talked about, it's unfair with those Washington kids uh, that they're stuck um, staying there. If they had thought about transferring because maybe they didn't you know, like the new coach or something. Oh, well, it's just, it's just not going to happen because, um, you know, they're already, by the time DeBoer makes this decision, the classes have already started, you'd miss spring football. And so, you know, we'll see in the era of, of movement, usually the coaches, as he said, will move earlier because of the transfer portal and NIL. They kind of, you know, make that decision after Thanksgiving weekend, not the case here. And so again, with Alabama, with Washington, you know, there's some, uh, we'll see a lot of player movement uh, with that. Stay with us. We've got more to come after this. How would you like to get a free $100 prepaid MasterCard and save money on your television bill? Then call right now. Make the switch to Dish TV. For a limited time, we're offering a two-year price guarantee. That's important for those of you on a fixed budget to know your prices won't go up for two years. Plus, you have hundreds of channels, lots of live news and sports, movies, and more. And when you call right now, you can also ask about our discounts for seniors and those of you in the military. So, make the switch to Dish right now. Pick up the phone and call. Enjoy your television like you are meant to. And when you sign up today, we'll also give you a $100 free prepaid MasterCard. Call right now, ask about our senior discount, our military discount, and your free $100 prepaid MasterCard. 800-706-7063 That's 800-706-7063 Paid for by NPS. Switch to Dish TV today for your free prepaid MasterCard. Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, J.C. and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' J.C. Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. You're listening to the Gator Guys Radio Network. We're back on SEC Radio. We've got some uh, really good uh, games this weekend um, around the country. Some basket hoops games. Hoops games. You don't get to play football anymore, so we got to have hoops. And really good matchups, a couple of big 12 matchups that kind of have, uh, you know, kind of caught caught our eye. One was Baylor and Texas. Baylor and Texas. um, You know, Baylor is obviously Texas coming off a a good run in the postseason last year. A little bit of a, you know, 12 and four, but maybe haven't got the wins that they have wanted. They've lost two of their last three. And they got a Baylor team coming in and they were playing really well before losing at Kansas state. Um, this should be a fun game. Looks like a fun game. And there's the thing about college basketball this season is there's no dominant team. 
I think we're setting up for another fantastic NCAA tournament where we don't know who's going to come out of where um, and and who's going to get upset. But in this game, you know, Texas Texas has to bring it, and and I really think that this is an opportunity for them to to get a get a really good quality win under their belt. Yeah, at home, they, these are games you have to win. If you're going to be a successful team, you got to find a way to win these games when you're at home. Um, especially when you're, you know, taking on a, a, you know, top, you know, 20 team in Baylor, um, there. So, um, let's listen here from Texas head coach. On any given night, you gotta, you gotta come and bring your A game. You know, um, every night there's not a bad team in this league. Um, you know, got great coaching in this league. Um, you know, so you're going to have to come out every night and play your best basketball, you know, and you got to put everything into every game. Uh, that you're you're playing, whether you're at home or on the road. Well, we try to take pride ourselves in trying to be a physical team, you know, and uh, having a physical mindset. You have to have that in the Big 12. You know, year in and year out, if you don't have a physical mindset, man, it's it's going to be really hard for you. You don't have a mindset that you're going to sit down and really guard and try to put consecutive stops together. That's Rodney Terry talking about the um, Baylor-Texas matchup. Uh, I, and I think he hits the nail on the head. You got to rebound. You got to defend if you want to have a chance against teams uh, in the Big Twelve, but probably true of any of the high major conferences. Yeah, yeah, and that that obviously is one of those things that that as he puts that team together, you know, he he is a, a great recruiter, and he he basically went on a nice run at the end of last year, but but now Rodney's got to kind of prove himself because there's a lot of Texas fans that if you don't win, that can be a very very tough place to be a head coach. No question it is. Um, another game in the Big 12. We got Kansas heading out to West Virginia. Um, West Virginia coming off a really uh, a nice win over over Texas um, after losing three straight. Uh, Kansas kind of righted the ship after their loss to Central Florida with a nice win over Oklahoma, winning at Oklahoma State, um, heading into this one. Kansas is, they're, they're really good at the top. McCuller, Dickinson, um, they got, you know, great point guard play. Um, and they, uh, you know, KJ Adams also solid forward to Harris point guard. They just really don't seem to have a lot of depth right now. Yeah. And that's the story of Kansas because y- you could put the top five against anybody, put the top six against anybody, but then you get into a long grind of a college season, you get some, you know, injuries or you get a game with foul trouble, but they do have who I think is the best college coach. Uh, going right now, Bill Self. I, I think West Virginia is going to be hard pressed to to walk out of this game with a win. And you know, if you're a team like Kansas, you're looking for every game, every conference game you can win on the road is like gold, because that get, you know when you have the home advantage that they that they have um, makes it awfully tough to win the Big Twelve when they're out winning the road games. Yeah, West Virginia is really – their teams are weird dynamic. They went out and got all these transfers, Jesse Edwards, Kirk Carissa, um, adding to Portal, hoping it would be uh, Bob Huggins' last year, right? And he was going to – and then Huggins has his off-the-court issues, and then the next thing, you know, they don't have him, and they Carissa is out, suspended for the first X number of games, and, you know, come back, he's been, you know, just okay. So, yeah, this is a West Virginia team that definitely has a – they got a lot to prove, and this is a game they really need to win um, to right the ship here. 
All right, switching gears. Let's head out to the Big East and 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 real quick, Mike. I want to say something. I watched UConn play this week against Creighton at at home. UConn's the best team in college basketball at this moment. I'm not saying they're going to win the title or anything like that, but right now they are playing better than anybody in college basketball. I would agree with you. Here's the question I would ask you, and and obviously this is total opinion, but if they're playing at their top, is there any team playing at that 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 if they were playing the same level could beat UConn? Oh, that's a great question. Because I'm not certain they're there. I mean, there's some, I think it'd be a coin flip, but I don't know if there's anybody I'd favor over UConn if 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 both teams are playing their best. I think I think Purdue can match up with them. I, the hottest team for me right now outside of UConn is probably North Carolina. I think, and that's North, UConn already beat North Carolina. I watched that game, uh, right. Madison Square Garden. I think they're playing really well. I think Tennessee can beat them. Um, yeah, I think you're right. UConn might be at their highest level. They might be the best team. The other team I'll throw in there, just because I'm, and I firmly believe this, I know I sound insane. <laughs> the Illinois team I saw in December, prior to losing Terrence Shannon, I thought was on that level. They were one of the best five teams in the country at that point. After they beat Missouri, I was like, this team is one of the best five teams in the country. Um, so yeah, I would put those up there. But I think Connecticut, it is right now it's the best team and that doesn't mean Chris last year at this time we didn't think they were the best team and exactly and they were the best team so you never know what's going to happen down the stretch well they they headed to Villanova uh this weekend and and I'm not gonna lie Villanova has to be and I and I hate to put this kind of pressure because when you're appraising we we look at um we've talked about it in uh, on SEC radio where we've talked about how you're replacing a legend and things like that. You know, Jay Wright was a legend at Villanova. I mean, he's fantastic. One of the best coaches in the country. I, I would have put him right there with Bill Self as best coach in the country. Well, it hasn't been the same, you know, since he left. It, it They just have not had the same success. And you got to wonder if people are thinking, well, you know, I, I think this is a game that uh, eventually Villanova's kind of got to prove themselves, if that makes sense, and do something kind of on a, on a big stage. And thus far, we just haven't seen it. Yeah, and I don't know if they've got the the roster to pull this off. Um, obviously, college basketball, you see a little more upsets than what you would see in, in football. But I, I just think the one thing when when Jay Wright, and and bully for him because he retired, he loves calling games, and, and he's very good at it. But I think we missed potentially a decade of him and self trying to prove who was the better coach. And I think that would have been really fun to watch. <clears throat> but I do think that, you know, I, I would give UConn the advantage on this. And, and I would I would suspect that even, you know, on the road, UConn pulls this out and, and they move on. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, we got to remember too, We it took Jay Wright. He got three years, the fourth years when he finally, things started clicking for him. Um, at Villanova and made a Sweet 16, then Elite Eight, and in his fifth year, Final Four. Not until his what's eighth year, ninth year, something like that. So I, I think you got to give Kyle Neptune time. But you know, when you're 500 back-to-back years, that's a that's a tough sell um, for a program that has won a couple national titles and been in the Final Four. You know what, five times over a you know 12-year period. So this is uh, it's, it's a tough, r- really kind of a tough guy to replace, though. Um, up there for the Wildcats. Yes. Next game. Let's talk another game. Another big game. Alabama at Tennessee. Um, 
Tennessee's a really tough place to play. Alabama loves to shoot it. If they shoot it well, they can pretty much compete with anybody. Alabama, Alabama has the number one offense on Ken Palm, most efficient offense. They can put points on the board. But I think it was the game against Purdue earlier this year, if I recall, where they took like 5 million three-pointers. So it was insane. Like in the first half, they had taken most of their shots from behind the arc. Um, and I'm not I'm like, it was like an insane number. I'm going to look it up. Give me one second. I'll look it up here for you, Mike. But I, I feel like they had against Purdue, they were just chucking um, at a crazy level. Yeah. So they took, Purdue took 18 threes. Alabama took 46 threes and 18 twos against Purdue. So this is a team that likes to run around and chuck it. And they're shooting almost 40% from three. So they make it too. They're eighth in the country in three-point percentage. So, But they're going to have to make threes. They're going to beat Tennessee, especially in Knoxville. Yeah, I just don't. I've seen enough teams go into Knoxville and have trouble shooting there, partially because Tennessee plays really good defense under Barnes. The other thing is, is it's it's a that's a hostile arena. There, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. So I just don't know that barring, you know, a really, really outstanding shooting day, you're gonna go go into Tennessee and say we're gonna bombard these guys with threes and win the game. Yeah, well, so they're folks, gonna, bet on it. It'll happen them. now. I I'll tell you what, here's what I will say: they will shoot the threes. Yes, I mean, they, they have will. multiple games this year when they've shot more than 43s. Um, so, yeah, they, they like to chuck it, which, you know, they're an analytics darling. You know, they're ranked, even despite the fact they're, you know, they've lost five games, they're ranked in the top five on, on Ken Palm because of their, you know, of offensive how many, efficiency. How many points does Connect have on, on this Alabama team? <laughs> he's going Probably, for 30 He's again? averaging 40. Yeah, I think he's going to get 30. 30 again. So it's a good one. Here's a, here we go. We got Alabama Nate Oates uh, talking about this matchup uh, between uh, his Crimson Tide and the Volunteers. We can be a great rebounding team if we put our mind to it, but we got to have, got to have everybody rebounded both sides. So yeah, that was definitely a point of emphasis going in this game. Like it'll be at Tennessee. I mean, if you can't rebound against Tennessee, you're not going to be able to beat them. So we, we need some. Mississippi State, super tough team. I thought we did a pretty good job on the glass there. So we've had some games here in conference where we've done a decent job rebounding the ball. Nate Oates, you know, of course he, you know, Nate Oates, other things, other issues obviously up for him with the the pushing of the the player. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Nate Oates done a really good job down there at Alabama. But this is a this is going to be a really tough game for the Tide. I totally agree. It uh, It'll be a fun one, but I, I got to give – I got to give the advantage to Tennessee, and I'm going to put the chips in that corner heavily. Do you, do you say like do you go into this game like this as your pick? I know I know you're not like a prognosticator or better, Mike. I'm just not a good one. Well, okay, that's fair. <laughs> but but does, does Alabama say we got to make if we make 15 threes, um, we get we got a chance, right? Is that what they say? Maybe. I think that I got. I think they got to say, you know, that that's that we got to start at fifteen, you know, and then from there, we have we we just have to decide, you know, you got to also play a little bit of D. But if 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 they don't shoot thirty five percent, we're in trouble. Yeah. So our producer Tony says they need to make twenty five threes if they want to win this one. He might be right. He might be right. So and, and maybe uh, that's not enough. Speaking of twenty five, <laughs> guess who's not in the top twenty five? This week, Mike. I would say this was the easy one. I don't. I don't think the Zags are there. 
Yeah. How about that? How long has it been? Where are the Zags? Has Mark Fuse time passed? <laughs> well, you know, you always wonder, you know, folks always ask, why don't these college coaches in football or basketball stay at the school that they start at? Well, that's because there's a reason why these smaller schools have typically not been able to compete year in and year out. And eventually the jig is up and, you know, they finally found you, you know, the renegade who had it made. So they um, basically, you know, you, you, you get to that point where you're like, I wish I would have left when, and then you put that year in and maybe Mark few is finding, finding out that while Gonzaga is a great school, it doesn't have the endless possibilities of a Kansas or Kentucky or, you know, even a Illinois or an Indiana. Yeah, you know, I wonder about them. Since Tommy Lloyd um, left, they haven't recruited at the same level as they did previously, and so it's it's been a harder it's harder transition. And, and then you wonder when you're not if you go to Gonzaga and you're not successful, what's is the does it have the same allure for these kids to stick around? And you start right. wondering like maybe I I go somewhere else because why would I take less just so you because you knew you're going to win that was one of the selling points there. Yeah, Bill uh, Self didn't stay at Oral Roberts that long. He did not, and so uh, <laughs> was not or Tulsa, right? Yes. So or Illinois. Yeah. Also. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's that's hoops talk for this week. We'll be back right after this. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-218-4958. 800-218-4958. 800-218-4958. That's 800-218-4958. About the time before we say goodbye, a few minutes left in the show. Let's get your picks, fellas. Four playoff games this weekend. Let's start in the NFC. Uh, the Niners, the one seed at home against the Packers. Listen, uh, I don't mean to rub it in to Mike, but uh, the Packers look pretty good. Jordan Love looked pretty good last week. They did. I, I thought they were really good. Um, my, my question is, though, that what can you do against this 49ers defense, which is a little bit of a different animal? Um, and, and the 49ers have, you know, they, they don't you tend to make the same mistakes that, you know, the Cowboys did. Um, in that game. So uh, 49ers are a big favorite. I, I think it's going to be closer than that. They're a nine and a half point favorite. I think it'll be a little closer than that, but I still like the 49ers here. Yeah. The 49ers have had the Packers number in the playoffs for, for quite a few years. And I I'm, I'm leaning towards the Packers, but then I have to keep saying, well, they just played the Cowboys. It's not like they played anybody good. So I think that's that's the challenge you have. But if I, I, I'm going to go with the upset, and you think the rest of the NFL may look at the Packers' 
quarterbacks and say, hey, maybe we could just have a guy sit on the bench for a couple of years and learn the position and then have him be the next Love or Rodgers. <laughs> so Packers is your team. You're going to go Packers? Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going Niners. Packers seven seed. It's been a great run. Uh, you're right. They played a Dallas game. They basically give them gave them points. I mean, the pick six was one. They threw it right to them. I mean, you know, so they're not going to make those mistakes uh, in San Francisco. All right. Uh, Lions, Bucks. Uh, our friend Eric Kramer, very excited. He's no longer the only quarterback to lead Detroit to a playoff win since their last <laughs> NFL championship in 1957. He's off the hook. Jared Goff uh, joins in that, that uh, capacity. Uh, Lions, Bucks. This one in Detroit. Interesting matchup. You know, I, I I think the Lions are going to win this game. I, I would pick the Lions. But there's just something about this Tampa Bay team. They're like the nobody even really talks about them. You know what I mean? Like nobody's even thinking, oh, the Bucs could make a run. Yeah, they beat the Eagles, but the Eagles stink, right? They've stunk down the stretch. I don't know. Maybe Baker makes some plays. I I gotta pick Detroit at in Detroit, but I would not be shocked if it's closer than even the six and a half point spread. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Lions as well. They're going to they're going to go to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since before the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's or I'm sorry, they're going to, they could win the second round of the playoffs for the first time since the Super Bowl. Um I I think it would be a fantastic story and and um so I would I'd love to see the Lions win just because they just don't really get a win in the playoffs. So, we'll see yeah. it again. Long, long suffering. Do they even have playoffs back in 1957, or just the top two for the championship? Playoffs? Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I don't even know. That's a good question. That's 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 before my time. Yeah, it really. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll take Detroit as well uh, in that one. So we pick uh, Niners and Lions uh, in the NFC Championship game over in the AFC. Chiefs and uh, Buffalo. This one's up in Buffalo. You'd think they have the weather advantage, but the Chiefs um, they did just fine um, in sub-zero temperatures at home last week. I think this is the best game of all four. I think this is the most exciting game for me. I, I really, you know, we had, we, we, a few years ago, we said, we're going to see Allen and Mahomes head to head. Remember that playoff game over time and, you know, Allen didn't get the ball, right? And, and they, they tend to lose in overtime. Uh, but I, I really think this is, um, the Chiefs team doesn't have the same weapons around Mahomes that they need to have. So I'm, I'm going with the Bills. I think the Bills pull off this win. I know it's not an upset. But I, I think that they are they are ready to make that next step, and I think Josh Allen is kind of ready to make that move into an upper echelon um, NFL quarterback, like top five. So I, I love Josh Allen, although he does bring out my inner Brett Favre, where he makes the crazy mistake that nobody would even try because he's got such a cannon for an arm. And but I'm going to take the Bills. But if they lose. It's going to be on some crazy play that Josh Allen's right in the middle of. But um, I, I love this Bills team is so fun. I, I'd love to see them go to the they, Super Bowl. They just he cuts it. They cut it loose. They just yes. go. They go play. I mean, there's not there's none of this conservative stuff that we see, you know. But it's just like let's go play. It's like yep. guys playing in the backyard. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, love the Chiefs in this one, but I'm going to go with you guys as well with Buffalo. There's just something about this Kansas City team this year that just they just. They don't click on all cylinders. There's just something missing. Uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo at home as well. All right. Good game here. Houston and Baltimore. Um, how about two of the uh, more exciting quarterbacks? Great stories uh, of the season. Lamar Jackson, obviously, is going to be your MVP. Um, and then C.J. Stroud, the rookie, who has just uh, been unbelievable in his first year with the Texans. You know, it's conceivable. Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP. 
And he's had a fantastic year from the standpoint. He also, you know, also ran for 821 yards. But CJ Stroud threw for 4,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, and only five picks. Wow. I mean, that's insane for a rookie, right? He might be really good. And, and you know, so I, I think that this is a game that's probably going to be it's Ravens are a nine and a half point favorite. So I would take the points and bet on Houston, but I still think the Ravens are going to come out on top because they also have a kicker that's going to kick the game-winning field goal from like 84 yards. So that's my <laughs> that's my go. Yeah, I, I really like this Ravens team. Uh, another team that's fun, uh, Lamar is amazing. The man who no one wanted, so he just went back to the, the Ravens, and I guess he's going to prove the whole league wrong by winning the Super Bowl maybe. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he was the guy nobody wanted. Remember, it was like forever, right? It was like almost like you know summer, and he finally signed for fifty million a year. And, and yeah. it's it's funny, like all these. Hey, what do you want to trade for him? I don't know. He's not that good. I don't know. He's just you know he's just a running quarterback. He's not, exactly. Oh, he's just MVP multiple times. The league, exactly, league MVP that nobody wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Baltimore as well in this one. So uh, we look for uh, uh, Bills Ravens uh, final next weekend, and one of those two teams in the Super Bowl. Uh, hey, we're out of time. Uh, it's always been a lot of fun. We appreciate everybody who stopped by. I appreciate you as well for being here. Stay warm this weekend. Good weekend to stay in and just enjoy the games. We'll do it again. Same station, same time, same place. Right here for Brad and Mike. I'm Larry. We'll see you. Peace. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular. <laughs>